Blog Talk Radio. Okay, Yeti, 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 hello? Can you hear us now? I I can hear it. Okay, something was wrong with our microphone. Oh my gosh, I had a whole spiel. I think I I I can hear it. I had, can people hear us now? I'm sorry, everyone. I don't don't know what what happened. I am so sorry. I had the most brilliant monologue, (laughs) and it was just cut off. I said the greatest thing I ever said, ever. (laughs) Ever. And I forgot, our, it, it was so great, I forgot what it was. You know, our, our microphone wasn't working properly, so I'm glad at least now it is, just as we're about to go into the show proper, and I'm sorry, sorry to everyone. all of you for having to listen to the yuckiness there. Is everything working still? I hope it is. I think we, so. Yeah, we're about to go into the actual intro to the is. show. I, honestly, 
You, you can't tell if it's working no, now again? I can't. Yeah, I can't tell if it's working either. Okay, we're going to go ahead and play some music and catch you guys on the other side. I am hope it's going to be working here. So- April 18th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. <laughs> Don't Let It Go Unheard. I can say that 12 huh. times fast. Don't Let It Go Unheard. 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 I hope everyone can hear us. I hope you can hear all hear us. Please let us know if you can. Yay, people can hear us. We were having, during our little news break, some problem with our microphone. As I said, this is the April 18th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. I can't say it when I'm with the date. Somehow with the date, it's not coming through. Sue says it almost did go unheard. That's right. It almost (laughs) did go unheard. The April 18th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I am your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio is cartoonist Bosch Faust, and he says our sound is still off. Yes. I mean, it's just low. Can you just put up the sound? Um, I can. I think I can put up the sound. How about on the microphone Maybe. here in our headphones? How, how's that? I think a little better. Is that a little bit better? A little bit better. Bosch has the fancy schmancy headphones that are the noise reduction canceling headphones, and it might be that you need to turn up the volume on those headphones. The other thing yeah. is, oh, your headphones are not working. No. Is the battery dead? No, the battery's good. It's been juiced. Okay, let's try and unplug and replug your headphones. How's that? I can hear a little. How's that? I oh, can hear it better. I, I couldn't hear it for a second. Now I can hear it. Okay, I hope we're good. I'm sorry, everyone. This is this is just terrible. We're talking about making lemonade today, and we want it to be a good <laughs> yes. and positive show, not a show plagued by technical difficulties. If you went over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you got a little preview of what we have planned for today. Again, at don'tletitgo.com, I post program notes for the day's show, usually about an hour before the show starts on Fridays, 12 p.m. Pacific time. And today, as you see, the title is How Do You Make Lemonade? And specifically, I want to hear from you in the audience, in the second hour in particular, How do you make lemonade out of the lemons that life is handing us today? You know the proverb, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's what came to my mind today. And, of course, the person who originated that proverb, I I read on Wikipedia, it was someone from the 1800s who was speaking about a particular individual who was plagued by physical disabilities throughout his life and nonetheless made a great life for himself. But that person who originated the proverb, Dale Carnegie usually gets credit for it, but 
that person did not have in mind the sort of lemons that we are being handed today. And as you'll see in the lemon segment of the show today, both foreign and domestic policies that are deployed by our government today are, I believe, without exaggeration, anti-life. Absolutely. And I didn't even include Obamacare stuff on the links for today's right. show. Again, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you'll see the program notes for today's show. The program notes, what I want to get through in the first hour, is simply a selection of the lemons of the week yep. that we have all been handed. You know, I really could. I could do a daily show, I'm afraid, because there is just so much to talk about. So much goes by us so quickly yep. during the week that even trying to hit some absolutely. of the, the low lights or the highlights, so to speak. I is, think you're absolutely right. I, I question whether you could absolutely, with the news that comes in, no doubt about it. There's always something to counter it with, always something worth noting about it, something worth basically yeah. dissecting it. Unless and until I can have a full-time yeah. self-supporting job doing this five days a week. I'm, I'm just doing it on well, Fridays. Maybe, maybe the head of uh, some major uh, radio network is listening right now, and he's going to take it on. But see, with all the technical difficulties we have at the beginning, <laughs> they said, forget it, you are not hired. Yeah, but they love it because then you came back from it. I mean, you didn't just uh, succumb to it and say, okay, let's just cancel the show today, right? <laughs> so that's it. By the way, just, just one thing, a, qu a quick note. A friend of mine just uh, sent me this one uh, text. Okay. Uh, a, a person had on their license plate... The number eight theist, atheist. Okay. And it was denied by New Jersey DMV. No yes. way. Yes, and the person's suing, rightfully so. And, and and my friend's asking, what do you think? I said, well, it's her plate, it's her car, it's her idea. What the hell? Someone's offended to hell with them, to hell with them. What right do they have to deny her that? The standards for those personalized plates are pretty darn arbitrary as far as I know. Pathetic. And, of course, it's this whole context of should your cars have to be licensed by a government agency? No, I don't think they should be. But then everybody tries to make lemonade yes. out of being required to do this by coming up with their fun, personalized yes. license plate. I happen to have one as you know right. myself. And those make it a little more pleasurable to do this government-required duty of sticking this plate on your car and renewing it. You know, I have to get my car smogged this year, and I have an older car, and I'm, it's actually doing something that I'm afraid is going to make it potentially not pass the smog check. It, no. it probably should, but maybe it won't. And so I'm looking at thousands of dollars of, of repairs. The car's running fine. It's just that it's spewing stuff into the quote-unquote environment that isn't very friendly. It's also burning oil, which is kind of, mm, I don't like putting oil in it every two weeks. So I think, I think I'll be fixing that. But, uh, you know, government, blah. Yeah, why not have atheist? Why not have atheist? Of course. It's her car. It's her plate. You know what I mean? If she wants to take any heat from it, go for it. What kind of heat could you get? Someone says, I hate your license plate. Good. I hate yours. Exactly. Your, your sucks. It says nothing. Mine says something. Exactly. It's just terrible. So we are going to talk about today some of these lemons, so to speak, the anti-life policies no that are deployed not only by our own government, but of course similar policies by governments around the world. And then in the second hour, we're going to talk about how do you make lemonade out of these lemons that life is throwing you. And I want you guys to call me and tell me your so-called recipes, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it, <laughs> recipes for lemonade. The number is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. Of course, if you want to talk about the lemons 
in the first hour, you can do that as well. It's, it's all about in the meantime, you know. I mean, no, no matter what kind of hellish existence we're living right now, no, the, the world's going to hell. It is, no doubt about it. I think any, anyone living it would know how to make the best of this of this uh, of this situation, how to live through it, right? While fighting it, while trying to fight for ideas, while fighting for a world that we may not be able to see in our own in our own lifetime. The the one thing that is kind of heartening though is that you can see glimpses of the potential uh, for a better no world doubt. even within our it. lifetime. Excuse yes. me, I have to make a noise. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, your voice is um That is terrible. Yeah. Now I've got Daniel, our little uh show producer in the chat room telling him little. telling us that we hey, I mean little <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> I he's he's kind of self appointed, yeah. so I guess that's why I said the word little. <laughs> But he not only gave us our wonderful app that I'm looking at here on my iPad, which gives us a show clock, he's telling me, look at all those notes. We have to get through them quickly. So, yes, yes I, I need to get on it. Go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Look at the overwhelming amount of material Wait, and, that I've put like together for now, you. Then, like the government, he helped us out a little, and, you know, and now he wants to take over. I mean, is that it? Now he wants to tell us, look, do this, do <laughs> Dictator that. Dictator of the show. <laughs> First entry is Wikipedia. And it just gives you the origin of when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And I wondered about that this morning, who was yeah. the originator of it. And it turns out that it was a Christian anarchist writer <laughs> who originated this. And he didn't originate it verbatim. He originated the substance of the phrase. And, and then he the ra- and rational individual re- refined it, right? Dale it Carnegie yeah. went ahead and refined it. And he's the one that's usually credited for it. Yeah. But someone named Albert Hubbard in a 1915 obituary for a dwarf actor named Marshall P. Wilder, wrote this in the obituary. He said he picked up the lemons that fate had sent him and started a lemonade stand. Hmm. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Of course, today, as a couple of people, a couple of people on Twitter and Facebook commented that if you wanted to make lemonade today, you'd have to ask for permits from the government and all that. A government agent will come and stop a young girl from trying to sell. Lemonade. Which just threw more lemons at me basically today. I, again, I was looking for getting out of this, but I, I was reminded of more. And then Dale Carnegie used a refined version, more like the proverb that we all know, in his book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. He said, quote, if you have a lemon, make a lemonade, end quote. So that's make good. Make lemonade, not a lemonade. I well, maybe, I don't know if it was a typo or not, but it's right here no in Wikipedia. And you know if it's in Wikipedia, it make is a 100% Make a lemonade dot, 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 stand, maybe. Make, you know, take your stand, it's right? It's 100% true if it's no, in Wikipedia. we have to take our lemonade stand, you know, in this world. That's it. I kind of like that. Take yeah. our lemonade stand. Uh-huh. I also like lemonade stand as sort of a metaphor for, yeah, yeah. for things as well. There were some interesting quotes. As I was, Again, I was looking for the origin of the phrase. I found some quotes about lemons on Goodreads. That's where Google sent me. And one woman, Kathy Guyswhite, says, when life gives you lemons, squirt someone in the eye. Huh. We feel like doing that sometimes, right? <laughs> sometimes, Squirting yeah. Obama in the eye yeah. with lemons. I mean, would that be satisfying? Yeah, and on a, a paper cut that he has and squirt it on that, you know. And you say, this is for Obamacare. Yeah. This is for uh, promoting Islam here yeah. and around the world. This is for proposing 440, however, new taxes that we're looking at. I mean, today. think about it. Think about how many things he's done daily, assault on us. I mean, what we have lost, I mean, to the point where... I would need to buy pounds of lemons. We're inundated to the point where that's the point, that's the point of it. Keep us on our heels. To the point where we only pick up a, a, a few things to go after and bounce because he's always coming after us. Yep. 
Exactly, exactly. Now, there's some people who talk about it in terms of their personal life, you know, lemons and everything. And that's not what we're talking no, about today. No. We're talking about, you know, and again, I mean, it is true that people have personal challenges, and this is a proverb that's typically used with reference to personal challenges. But I would say that everybody in the world today is being thrown lemons no doubt. by our governments, and that's the sort of challenge that I'm looking at. Uh, uh, one one woman says, it actually, it, it says Rob, which is a guy's name, and then there's a picture of a woman next to it, so <laughs> I guess who knows? It. When life gives you lemons, you might as well shove them where the sun don't shine, because you sure as hell aren't ever going to see any lemonade. Now, that's the pessimist uh, version it's an of ugly, this. ugly comment. I mean, she's saying, to hell with me, is what she's saying. Now, how, how about this one, Bosch? J.K. Simmons. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What the hell am I... I don't know why they're bleeping out damn in hell. I can say damn in hell. I don't want your damn lemons. What the hell am I supposed to do with these? Demand to see life's manager. Make life rue the day that it thought it could give Cave Johnson, whoever this person is, lemons. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons, (laughs) etc. So basically, just, you know, give them back. Turn it back. Turn it back on them. That's an actor, J.K. Simmons. Uh, he played uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies. Okay, so it must have been a role that he but, was playing. Yeah, but I think he was playing a different actor there, a different character. And then, there, of course, there was completely irrelevant quotations about, you know, what you can use lemons for in the kitchen as far as disinfecting. But you get the idea. Yeah. Let's make some lemonade. But first, let's take a look at the lemons. Tammy Bruce has her weekly piece over at the Washington Times. And this week... It's a big old lemon. Obama deliberately emboldening America's enemies. And again, kudos to Tammy because, yes, Leonard Peikoff does speak about Obama being the nihilist who is deliberately trying to destroy values. And in particular, the American people and the values that the American people produce. But Tammy is, I think, one of the few commentators who in her columns and in her show all the time mentions that Obama's not some well-meaning uh, liberal or even a well-meaning which socialist. Which some conservatives do, uh, you know, say about him. They yes. actually say that. Oh, he just, you know, he, don't, he means well. He just, he doesn't know how to do it. So, oh, please. She regularly implies, states explicitly, and provides evidence he's for a, the destroyer. idea that Obama is trying to destroy us. Yeah. And this week, most of her piece is devoted to uh, the discussion of whether Obama, particularly through Eric Holder, is trying to undermine the trials at Gitmo of people who were involved in 9-11. Can you believe that's still going on, first of all? But that Holder is deliberately trying to make the military tribunal at Gitmo look bad so that some of these cases can come back into the federal court. And Holder, just for the record, uh, before he became uh, AG, he was actually part of a firm that defended almost every single um, Gitmo terrorist. So this is who he is. This is who he defends by choice. And she, in particular, also points to al-Qaeda and recently that CNN has a video that they've been reporting as, quote, the largest and most dangerous gathering of al-Qaeda in years, end quote. And remember, Obama has been bragging because he has al-Qaeda on the run. Tammy has this great line in her column. It now appears al-Qaeda was, quote, on the run in the same way you were able to keep your doctor in hospital. Yeah. 
Yep. That's good. That's about right. Yep. That is about right. This, this idea, though, that there was a gathering of Al-Qaeda and there were no drones there to kill them all. I mean, and that's another thing that she pointed out in there. She this? said, hey, um, they, they seem so relaxed. They seem almost like they're on vacation. They're not worried about getting hurt in any way. Why isn't Obama going there and using his drones, which he seems to love to do, to get these jerks? So, in many Yeah, these scum. Yeah, scum. Gum would be good. That's uh, that's very good. But instead, what are we doing? In fact, what we are doing, and this is an, an older story, but Bosch drew it to an my attention. An old story, which actually there was a, a story this week, which it has continued under Obama Kerry. What was going on through Obama Clinton I as the State Department? So it's it's a, it's a continuum now. But it's just the the establishment of the fact that they've been actively promoting Islam in Europe. Showing Muslims, trying to teach Muslims how to organize politically as if they don't do that on their own. U.S. tax dollars behind this. And particularly in the week when we all had our taxes due, it's very frustrating. And in the week of the one-year anniversary of the uh, Boston Massacre, the same thing. I've just noticed, Bosch, that I'm using the word particularly a particularly lot of the time. I particularly use it as well. (laughs) I am particularly... I do, I do use that word a lot. I, I'm not joking when I tell you the following. <laughs> when I was, you know, a teenager in high school, I had friends. And I guess my friends would notice that there were particular words huh. that I would say a lot. Huh. I would just fall into saying certain words all the time. And the joke that we had going, and I can't remember if they actually slapped me. I'm, I'm thinking of, huh. you know, the, the slap bets that they had right. on how I met your mother or something. That would be really brutal. But I would tell my friends, hey, if I say whatever the phrase of the week was that I was overusing, if I say this, then you should hit me. Right. Now, I don't think, Bosh, you should hit me. But what, if I keep saying particularly, I don't know. What, what should you do? Uh, repeat it. Just, just repeat it ten times in a row. Might maybe say get annoyed of that word so you wouldn't use it. I don't know. I'm I'm already aware of it, so if anyone else has noticed it, I might be my own harshest critic with respect to this. But I we will find it. out. I mean, I I know I repeat a lot of words like like Islam, you know? particularly especially on the call. Let's go. Anyway, do check out this story. It is U.S. State Department actively promoting Islam in Europe, and I thank Bosch for sending it to me, just to let you know that yes. It does seem that the Obama administration is emboldening our enemies and, in fact, helping to spread their ideology, which is insane. Now, there's another story that Rob Abiera sent me this week, and I also had seen it on Ted Cruz's Facebook feed. And it was a horrendous, horrible story, if true, which is that in East Ukraine, a leaflet was distributed telling that Jews must register. And I think they also had to pay a fee of $50 or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But they were supposed to register and list what property they owned. Basically the sort of registration that you would expect in advance of a Holocaust, where they were going to round up all the Jews and take possession of their property and put them in concentration camps. But, of course, we see... Fox News had an update on the story. And again, I have that link over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It says, complete lie. A pro-Russian official denies a role in mysterious leaflets to the Ukrainian Jews. And he does more than just deny it. What he does is he shows 
what it is about the leaflet that makes it not really possibly even from him. And it was something about there's a seal, but it was too big, so it was a poor Photoshop. The title that was attributed to him in the leaflet is something that he never goes by. There were other uh, bits of evidence that so, so, you know, I think he's more than discharged his duty in terms of providing contrary evidence. Can, can I mention that there was another story about uh, women, Muslim women refusing to wash hands if they work in hospitals, which they're required to do, and then someone debunked that. And to me, it's just horrific when, in, in, in particular about Islam, when you feel you have to lie about Islam to make it look bad, when the truth damns it. You know, the, the worst thing you can say about Islam is the truth. So when you got to make things up. You haven't studied the, the religion. You, you're, you're coming all, all, you know, from true just uh, prejudice with no knowledge. You're just saying, well, I know Islam's bad, so therefore I'm going to say this and it'll probably fit in. No, it's a lie. It's like someone actually sent me a quote about it from the Quran. There was an eagle and someone destroyed the buildings. And, you know, it's a lie. Just stick to the truth and you can damn these things. Yeah. Now, as with respect to this particular story, the particular... The jury is still out. So Stewart wants calling about pu- 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 uh, he wants calling about puking and Snowden. If he wants to, you know. Yeah, Stuart, if, if you if, if, if you want to call in during our lemon first hour about Putin and Snowden, that is well, fine. Puking. Yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah, okay, puking. Yeah, you have to call him puking apparently. You otherwise, have to. otherwise, Bosch won't let you exactly. call in. Exactly, puking, puking. Don't forget. If you do that, go ahead and, and call in. Here in the story, again, it you know, talks about just in the last couple of days, notices were sent to Jews in one city indicating they have to identify themselves. Can't believe this. Of course, Kerry condemned it, which is good. Well, but at the same time, we're not Kerry, even sure yeah, whether it's Kerry true. Kerry wants so. Israel to bend over. So, you know, why does he think that's bad? He wants Israel to go to hell. So, Well, and that's why I be- think that we are likely to believe a story like that today is because we have seen anti-Semitism. We have seen oh, yeah. people condemning Israel for taking steps for defending itself, all of that. And I think that's why we would believe a story like that. And that's but, the, but the jury is out. We want to see what the final they're, story is. They're relying on the truth to get away with that lie. You know, rely. You know. But it's true. They rely on the truth to get away with lies like that, which is ugly and stupid and unnecessary. The truth is good enough to damn these type of things. Are you able to cue up this uh, audio here, boss? Do you have it queued up? It's a joke, Biden. By the way, this thing, I could hear it better sometimes and worse other times. Look at this. We have only about a minute and a half now, and we do have a call that we'll take after our first break. I can't believe we're almost at the bottom of the first hour. After this, what we will talk about is what Joe Biden said. Joke Biden. Joke Biden at a tribute to the Boston bombing survivors. Oh, sorry. Quote survivors, as he puts it. Is it a cliffhanger if we said he flubbed up? He said something (laughs) totally insensitive and wrongheaded? He went full Joe. You never go full Joe. (laughs) Um, and we'll also talk about another completely inappropriate reaction to the Boston Marathon bombing, and it's not surprisingly from the mayor of New York, mm. the unqualified mayor of New York, de Blasio. Absolutely disgusting. And the other thing we will do after our break is take a call from Stuart, who has called in, and he's waiting there online. Yeah, so he has put the question. He didn't have to put the question. Okay. I can, I can, I can still answer it. Okay. okay. I know that he wants to talk, so he I will find He said his did it, so he's not sure if he did it right, but we'll, we'll find out. I, I think he did it right. The only okay. thing is that he didn't put the little question. So now all we have to do is decide on 
a little bit of bumper music here. I think I'm going to go for this one. Okay, here we go. Okay, first uh, bumper, sort of good. We do, we really do have to get that sound equipment in here so that we can have nice, smooth reduction in volume yep. of our music. I'm doing my best here, Sam, clicking, clicking, clicking. Good. good job. That, that's not too bad, not too that's bad. That's pretty good, manually. So I want to hear, Bosch, um, we have our little weekly report on what we're listening to on Audible. What are you listening to? Uh, nothing right now. Um, no audio books, no, huh? No, I've been listening to uh, Mark Levin. No! Yes, no! yes. A little more than I have because I, after he attacked that atheist, I was just, just forwarding and forwarding, and he's gotten pretty good. He's gotten away from those issues that he stinks on. He's been talking about the big government and the Constitution, which is, he's always excellent in. So I've been able to listen to him, and that's why I believe. And I had to listen to five or six episodes back to back to back. So I'm, now that I'm caught up, I will definitely listen to the audiobook, finish it off, and go to Ellis Shrugged after. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to perfectly listen to the perfect book? <laughs> yes. Even though it's imperfect, but it's good, but a little imperfect. A little too many quotes from questionable, questionable people. But overall, it's very good, and it's, it's laugh out loud if you are a perfectionist. It's definitely laugh out loud. Now, get a load of this. I was you know, driving. I was doing a lot of driving this week and I thought I was gonna to listen to Greg Gutfeld's book, yeah. Not Cool. Yeah. That's the book, Not Cool. Not cool. It's is not the cool book. that you didn't listen to it. It is is yeah. also not cool yes. that I didn't listen That's to true. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like listening to it, which is kind of strange. I felt yeah. more like listening to um sort of a self improvement genre type thing at this particular point. And I was going to just about say, in particular, I'm going to get this out of my vocabulary. So it's so bad. Has, has anyone out, out there been bothered by that? I, I, mean, I would I, like to know. Informal, I haven't noticed it. Informal survey in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. No doubt about it. I mean, I know I do, but I'm, I'm not bothered by that. I mean, I look, noticed. maybe I'm biased, I noticed. but I listen to the show just to, to hear how we're doing sometimes. I don't get bugged. Uh, by you in certain ways I get by other hosts. Other hosts always have something stinking, something that's just, that sucks flat out. And you, you don't have it. Now, believe me, I, I'd like to do better, but you don't have anything particular that I'm like off put by. You don't. And again, maybe I'm biased and maybe if someone I can, else can listen. If but. I can remain vigilant, that'll be good. But the thing that I was listening to, don't laugh at me, people. So I was listening to Julie Morgenstern. She has this book called Shed. And it, she talks about how you can get rid of stuff that you've had hanging around for a while. And I've got stuff for two good? reasons. It is particularly <laughs> good. I've got stuff for two reasons. A, I moved from a house in Colorado to a house in California, a house in California, one third the size of the house in Colorado. So I still have stuff in the garage that I hadn't been willing to part with. So just thinking about why do you hang on to this and not just donate it or sell it or whatever. The other thing is I got a bunch of stuff from my grandmother. So anyway, I was listening to that. I found it helpful, and I'm looking forward to finally getting rid of the stuff. If you want to listen to Audible books while you are driving, go to 
audibletrial.com mm. forward slash Amy Peikoff. I've, I've got the link over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com as well. You can get an Audible free trial and help the show in the process. So that's nice. our little Audible, Audible work for the week. Yeah, Julie Morgenstern I think is, is very cool. So we're about to go into a break. We'll see you on the other side. Hi, you're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is Amy Peekoff. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. Thanks for chatting a bit over the break there, Bosch. Yep. We were talking about our Audible listenings, audible.com, uh, audiblefreetrial.com. You got some nice comments yeah. about the uh, your overuse of the word. My overuse of the word particular we were talking about over the break as well. Earl says something nice. He says, uh, Earl says, Amy, if it bugs you, then try to weed it out, but don't agonize over it. Your honor matter is great. It is. Thank you very much, Earl. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's true. I notice these things and they bother me, so I'll probably do it just for myself and with the hope that that's going to benefit the listeners as well because there are listeners who are going to be particularly oh, oh, sensitive to my use yeah, of the yeah, word yeah, particular. No, no, but there are some, some listeners also who just won't be satisfied with anything, anything that you do. There are people who read my comics who love them. There are people who read this. I couldn't get past the first page or two. It's like, okay. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. You know, if, if they see something that they get annoyed by. This is another thing that you have to decide is that people who are listening to you somehow jive with you better than people who don't want to. I'm, I'm going to bother some people. I remember when I first started, I would get comments at my blog and they would tell me, what was it? I sound like a spoiled kid and mm. I have nasally sounds. Maybe. I would get really mean comments. Yeah, and I thought, comments. okay, well, don't listen to me then. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, that's it. But no, I, I'm hoping. Now, Bosh, I'm feeling that it's warm in here. Okay. Is there a way to handle that? <laughs> Knock it warm and just put it on cool. I would put it on cool and, and give us give us some cool air in here. That would be very nice. I'm hoping that I'm not getting sick again. I'm drinking hot tea in order to help this throat of mine. But let's continue because we need to get through this list of stories. Otherwise, Daniel will never forgive me. Daniel over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. He is keeping us on task, which I think is excellent. And let's go here. What do we have? We've got Biden. You've got the clip, right? I do. Okay, let's play Biden. What, now, why did Obama not go to the tribute? That's exactly. what I want to know. Why did Obama not go to the tribute for the Boston bombing survivors? Let's see if someone is, is having problems with the sound here. Hopefully it's not the case. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Mark says we're dropping out. I hope we're not. This is uh, terrible. Anyway, Everyone here's, else is doing fine here's Joke Biden, our vice president, vice president. You got it? I, uh, in my career, I've been part of or witnessed uh, some incredible tributes. But I have to say, and my friend Ed Markey, I, I, I've never, never, never witnessed a tribute uh, like I've heard today. Jill and I, 
Jill and I are honored to be asked back, and uh, let me say uh, to uh, those, uh, quote, survivors, my God, you have survived and you have soared. It was worth, it was worth it. I mean this sincerely, just to hear each of you speak. You are truly, truly inspiring. I've never Go ahead heard and pause anything. It. Okay. What in the world could he mean when he says it was worth it? And also, what, quote, what is the it? Quote what is survivors. Quote survivors? What, yeah. what does that mean? They are survivors. And it was worth it. And people tried to rationalize it. Well, what he meant? No, 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 no. This idiot was commemorating the murder of Americans, the dismemberment. I mean, how many people lost their limbs? Who knows? It's, right. it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid to know. But anyway, if you understand what I'm saying. Right. Endless people. And people who participate in a marathon are people who are particularly the type of, excuse me, particularly. Yes, come on. <laughs> I, I wanted you to keep I'm going. Doing it. Oh, and they, they, I, no, but these are the people who identify with their physical being Absolutely. to a larger extent than the exactly rest of right. us. Exactly right. So they are the ones. They lose. They lost their arms, legs, feet. I mean, this this is sick. And this twisted scum goes out there and says, "It was worth it." And then instead of saying, "I apologize," I said that he says, "It was worth it." Again, and let me tell you why. So, what was worth it? It was worth it for them to suffer the way they did, and for him to come here and listen to their, I don't know, defiance against it. That was worth it. That's what made it beautiful to him. Is the low life? I, it's probably if he literally meant it, which he may have actually meant it. He may have meant it. This the, the idea of rat. sacrifice that that their sacrifice is producing inspiration for him and everybody else. He felt really good about it? their speeches, oh. and it was worth it suffering. You did because look, right, you, right. you, you had a speech that actually I, I felt nice about. Here's Joel in the chat room. He agrees. He says, "If you're a committed altruist, you will worship pain and suffering." Biden is probably envious that he wasn't a victim. No, actually, Joel, I don't think he goes that far. I think that he's probably a committed altruist who believes that he's one of the ones that other people are supposed to sacrifice for. I think he's a for. committed imbecile. That's what I think. I think he's a committed imbecile. He is. This guy's uh, something's wrong with him. Everyone knows that. That's why Obama picked him, so he couldn't have a vice president. The, the way you don't have a vice president is having Joe Biden as your vice president. Evan in the chat room says he thinks he's just as attached to his limbs as any marathon runner. That's true. But if you have, if you're a marathon runner, a major avocation yes, in your life you're is very physical. using your body. And that might not be true of many Non-runners and whatnot. Okay. I mean, but, you know, it, meaning like for an artist, if you lose your hand, that's, a, you know, if, if you're an illustrator. Right. That's a horrific, yeah, horrific that, that thing. Was, that was the only point I was trying to make. Not that it wouldn't be horrific for of course, anybody of course. to lose a limb, but you would say marathon runners, you know, the people most in the, the world. Selfishness says uh, Biden used his dead wife to win elections. Yeah, I think his wife and his child were killed, and he used it again and again. This guy's a scumbag. Definitely. And he has no uh, compassion, no understanding of what this is about. And the, the vice president goes there, and he's supposed to commemorate, and also no mention probably of the, per, of the perpetrators of this horrific act. None. Do we want to go ahead and try and take this call real quick? Yeah. This is Stuart, right? Yes. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello? Hmm. Uh, can now you I hear can... me? Yes. Now I can hear you fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so thank you for taking my call. But I want to ask if you heard about 
Edward Snowden asking Putin, Pukin, um, <laughs> about whether he conducts domestic surveillance in Russia. That happened no, yesterday. You, you've heard about that? I heard about it. Okay, and, and what was the response? Do you know? He said no. Yes, Putin said no, he doesn't uh, spy on people at all. He had two, two parts to the answer. First, he said no, and second, he said that's illegal. That's illegal. It's against the law in Russia. Therefore, that's right. It's not done. That's right. And, you know, and I went on Facebook and I got into arguments with my friends because that's what Facebook is for. Yeah. And they're saying that Edward Snowden, this is proof that Edward Snowden is a stooge for Putin in China. Yeah. You know, and they, they said, who is he to say all these things about the NSA? when he, he's very tight-lipped about what goes on in China and Russia. And he put on this big show where Putin got to look like some kind of saint. He's better than Obama. And a few hours look. after that, um, Snowden came out with an op-ed in The Guardian. He says, no, he's not trying to whitewash Putin. He was um, trying to recreate uh, Senator Wyden asking James Clapper flat out, does the NSA spy on people? Does it do this bulk data collection? James Clapper said no. Now Putin is on the record denying the truth. Yeah. Right. Right, and, and that's the whole point of the question. Ask him and then his answer, whether he lies or tells the truth, we know what he has said on record. We know that. And that's important. That's important information, and that's what Snowden did. I mean, he asked him a question flat out, said let him lie about it. And let him be on record, though, saying, no, I do not do this. I mean, there's a couple things. First of all, we all expect course, that Russia think? and China do horrible no things in terms of it. spying on, as well as on other fronts. What we are surprised about and that we're glad Snowden revealed is the extent to which the American government is spying on yeah. citizens. And that's where the real value of Snowden lies. If Snowden was trying to somehow make somebody else look good in relation to us, First of all, you can understand, although you wouldn't necessarily condone, you can understand why he might want to do that because of the situation that he's in right now being screwed over by the government. I was disappointed in Snowden commending Obama's so-called steps to end the metadata collection program when really Obama is making no such steps. And as I put it, though, I mean, because I think of where he's at, what he did, any glimpse of like, well... It was worth it. Obama, you know, I, I changed the policies type thing. That's why he jumped the gun, I think. But he's wrong to do that because Obama is the one who started all, all, all this crap. Of course he wouldn't end it. Stuart, I want to give you the last word on this before we go ahead and go on to the next story. So what you got? Well, yeah, I think that it makes sense to hold the United States to a higher standard than Russia. If the Russian government violates people's rights. That is exactly what people expect from Russia. But the United States is looked upon by the world as a speaking of freedom. The United States is supposed to stand for freedom. You know, if Russia isn't free, it doesn't deprive the rest of the world of freedom. But I think if the United States is unfree, you know, the, the rest of the world loses hope. Right, right. Yeah. And that is why, really, we talk about the lemons with respect to the United States so much and not exactly. the rest of the world as much. Because I, I agree with Jerome Brook that the United States really is the last best hope for a truly free society. And if it turns into you know, a totalitarian dictatorship, 
the rest of the world is going to go with it. I don't I don't see how that's avoidable. Thank you, Stuart, for calling in as a first-time caller. And feel free if you want to call in during the next hour and talk about any recipes for lemonade you have. But I want to get through the lemons in the time that we have remaining. I don't want to spend any part of the second hour on uh-huh. lemons. No lemons in the second hour. So let's see what we can do to get through my list. Again, go to my blog. Don'tletitgo.com, don'tletitgo.com is where I post the program notes for each week's show. And again, I do it about an hour before the show goes on the air, Fridays at 12 noon Pacific time. So I post it about 11. And let's see what we've got here. The other story that's related to the anniversary of the Boston bombing is the horrific thing, the horrific thing that New York Mayor de Blasio did in response Imagine on the anniversary of the Boston Marathon bombing, it's been only one year since we have learned that not only in our midst are Muslims who mean to do us harm, right, but that they were successful in this horrific attack only one year ago. And here is the mayor of, is this the largest city in the entire United States? I don't know about that, but it is the most targeted by, by our enemy. It is the point. They, if they're going to nuke one city, it'll be New York City. Story that I have is at Breitbart.com, written by Robert Spencer, who himself yeah. curates the Jihad Watch website. The New York Police Department announced on Tuesday, the first anniversary of the Boston Marathon Jihad attack, that it was disbanding a special unit that had been dedicated to watching for Jihad terror threats in Muslim communities. They were looking at mosques which was actually shocking when I, when I found it out. They've been looking at mosques, and now... Imagine that. Here's sarcasm from Robert Spencer. He says, that's good. He says, after all, whoever heard of a Muslim staging a terror attack? And what better day to announce such news than the first anniversary of what New York officials evidently think is the last Islamic jihad huh. attack ever on American soil? Imagine this, though, too. Just last February, right, Spencer? Skipping down a bit here. U.S. District Judge William Martini threw out a lawsuit against the program, explaining that, quote, the police could not have monitored New Jersey for Muslim terrorist activities without monitoring the Muslim community itself. Which? The motive for the program was not solely to discriminate against Muslims, but to find Muslim terrorists hiding among the ordinary law-abiding Muslims, end Which quote, is what and here, they here. always do, because they always, every jihadist goes to a mosque, whether it's in America or Middle East or Europe. They all, there's always a mosque. It's been up, you know, upheld in, in the courts, and yet de Blasio's going to get rid of it, and not only that, he's going to announce the elimination of the program this will on the anniversary. This will guarantee more American deaths, guarantee. And it goes back to Tammy Bruce. Is our government aiding the enemy. Yes. Yes. Not just our president, but de Blasio, the wannabe next Obama community organizer. There he is. Robert NYC in the chat room says that as a New Yorker, he thinks of this every day. And he says, it's only their incompetence that saves me. And that's true. Yep. Particularly now with de Blasio. Plus the one Muslim tried to blow up uh, this building in Times Square, remember? And he, and he blew it with the bomb. He couldn't get it right. And if you recall also, the mayor, the former mayor of New York City, this piece of crap, uh, Bloomberg, said, maybe it's a guy who doesn't like the health care bill. You know, maybe it's Obamacare critic. You know, who knows? Who knows? Always trying to get them off the trail of the people who are most likely 
to, you know, be terrorists right now. 99.9% so, of terrorists today are Muslim. So that was all foreign policy lemons. And we spent so much time, I think, fittingly on foreign policy because job one of our government is supposed to be to protect our rights. And that is means, what does it mean to protect our rights? To protect us from the initiation of force. And the main threat to us today is the enemy in this war on Islamic Jihad, mm. both here and abroad. And as we see, our government is giving lemons all around with respect to this. They are promoting the ideology that is inspiring some of them to want to kill us. They're promoting it here and abroad. They are not doing their job of keeping al-Qaeda on the run overseas, apparently. Not even using the drones to attack when they have a big gathering of the leadership. And finally, here at home in New York City, the mayor of New York City is disbanding an anti-terror unit, you know, that's particularly targeted. And Muslims are, are celebrating this. I'm sure. Jihadists are celebrating it. Not so, Americans. Let's move a little bit to domestic policy because this week was not only the anniversary of the Boston bombing, but it was also tax day this week. A lot of people ran at the very last minute to the post office. I can see this is the most distasteful task ever. But I think I'm getting kind of better at not procrastinating, at least on some things, because I got that distasteful task out of the way earlier this year. I was not one of those last-minute people. It is such a disgusting, horrible thing. I'm going to skip around a little bit, because one thing that I was glad to see this week was Donald Rumsfeld writing a letter to the IRS. He posted the letter on Facebook that he wrote to the Internal Revenue Service. He says, Dear Sir or Madam, I have sent in our federal income tax and our gift tax returns for 2013. As in prior years, it is important for you to know that I have absolutely no idea whether our tax returns and our tax payments are accurate. I say that despite the fact that I am a college graduate and I try hard to make sure that our tax returns are accurate. The tax code is so complex and the forms are so complicated that I know that I cannot have any confidence that I know what is being requested, and therefore I cannot and do not know, and I suspect a great many Americans cannot know, whether or not their tax returns are accurate. As in past years, I've spent more money than I wanted to spend to hire an accounting firm to prepare our tax returns, and I believe they are well qualified. This note is to alert you folks, yay, uh, that I know that I do not know whether or not my tax returns are accurate, which is a sad commentary on governance in our nation's capital. I'll let you go read the rest of it. Get the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. But bravo to Rumsfeld for echoing what so many of us feel around tax time. Some of those questions, I have no idea what in the world they're talking about. And you should not have to hire a specialist when you don't make very much money in order to and fill out a tax return. Money, yeah. Yeah. They need to abolish the IRS, and, and there's other reasons in the list of program notes for this week that we need to abolish the IRS. So why don't we get on to some of that? Daniel makes a coaching point. He goes, "Well, if, if it makes him, it makes him feel better. The IRS doesn't really know either, and that's true. I'm sure they want to be as, as confused as us. And I bet that there are regulations that say A and non-A, so that they're actually contradictory. <laughs> and I also bet that there are regulations that experienced tax attorneys would debate about what they right. actually mean and what is being required. Right. There, there were some things like that, but I'm not going to bore you with the details of my tax return. The questions that I had in my mind as I was filling out those 
horrible forms this season. Just to make you feel better, there was a nice little study that was published by CNS News, and the link again is at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It says that there are a little bit over 86 million, probably about 86 and a half million people who are working in the private sector full-time in America, and that those people are supporting roughly 148 million who take benefits from the government. How unsustainable is that? 86 million full-time private sector workers sustain 148 million benefit takers. The thing that I was not clear on is whether the benefit takers also include the federal employees. 16 million work for the government. So I don't know if 16 million is in there or if this is just people who get benefits without actually working. Now, some of the people in the 148 million are people who paid into, for instance, Medicare or Social Security, and they're getting benefits back out from that. But some of them are people who are the so-called means-tested programs, welfare programs, uh, Medicaid, food stamps. SSI, Supplemental Security Income, as they call it, public housing, temporary assistance for needy families and women, infants, and children programs. I, I, this is not sustainable. No. This, is, this is simply not sustainable. I'm we, glad that this report got out, though. People are talking about it. Right. I think people are like, what the? And, and the thing that they need to do is they need to move tax day right next to <laughs> the election Levin. day. I and think it's a brilliant uh, you know, proposal by Mark Levin. Bring it right to the day before Election Day to make you feel exactly what people are doing to you and keep that in mind when you vote. It's important because they, they separated by six months. Like, you know, I, I think they, they, they made it as far away from, from Election Day as they possibly could by design. No doubt these rats. Another story I love to see, it, you know, if you have friends on Facebook, if you have liberal friends on Facebook who are complaining about feeling the pain mm-hmm. at tax time at all, just get the link to this story from my blog at don'tletitgo.com and just post it as a comment on the little thread. Don't even make a comment yourself. Just post this. Obama has proposed 442 tax hikes since taking office. Yeah, but his administration said they haven't had any tax hikes. So mm-hmm. what are you talking about? He, he has formally proposed a total of 442 tax increases, according to an Americans for Tax Reform analysis. America's tax form is by uh, Grover Norquist, who's a rat. But on this single, single issue, he's pretty good. But he's also, he's uh, pro-Islam, so. 137 just for fiscal year 2014. Notice only 34 tax increases for fiscal year 2013. So he, so, it, yeah, so it, he had to make up for it next well, year. Well, th- and think about this, too. He would propose only relatively few going into the election year. What a rat. What a rat. What a total rat. More lemons. More lemons. One thing also about uh, the, the Tea Party, there was someone who asked a question on Fox News about Tea Party. Are they really doing anything? Look at the Tea Party opponent against uh, Bitch McConnell. He's not really getting any ground for this. And Mark Levin, you know, contrasted. I said, well, what the hell is this? He goes, this, you got an incumbent for decades in power. You're going to have a challenger. It's going to be very difficult for him to actually raise money. And that's, that's the test of the Tea Party? He goes, no. The Tea Party's existence tells you there's something wrong with the system, something wrong with the Republicans and Democrats. The existence, sheer existence of the Tea Party tells you, by the, by the nature of that, that there's something terribly wrong. That's all. 
and I, and I think that's definitely true. We have about two minutes, and I pledged no lemons in the second hour, so there's a couple things that I want to talk about quickly, but you can read at my blog at don'tletitgo.com more about it. One is there's a couple stories there in which they talk about the new element of the IRS scandal. Not only did the IRS delay the approval of the 501c4 applications for tax-exempt status, now it appears that Lois Lerner wanted to actually get the Justice Department investigating to prosecute conservative groups for supposedly lying on some of their forms. So they have tried to get the Justice Department involved in shutting down communication of ideas by conservative and Tea Party groups. Check out those stories at my blog. Another horrific story, you know, it's one of these things where the law just came in under the radar, nobody really knew about it, and then suddenly it's coming to bite people now. Social Security and Treasury are targeting taxpayers for their parents' decades-old debts. And apparently what happened is, in some piece of legislation, I can't remember exactly where it was, you'll have to go in the article and look for it, but in some piece of legislation, the government decided to waive the statute of limitations and go after these people anyway. And then the last thing I wanted you to go look at is that the GOP is, again, going to try and push immigration reform, so-called reform, before the election time. And one thing that you need to keep in mind next to that is a study. I've posted a link to the story, again, at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. The story says that these immigrants, mostly, overwhelmingly, they vote Democratic. And so what does immigration mean in the context of immigrants Voting Democratic, I'll leave that for you to think about and debate. But we've got a break, a hard break coming here at the bottom of the hour. So after this, we will start talking about the lemonade portion of the program. That's awesome. Take care. You put so much thought into your whole design It never goes unnoticed But you don't have to spend that time You don't need makeup to make you beautiful Perfume to make you sweet You don't need fashion to make you suitable The heels underneath your feet You don't need hours to get just right What looks so fine in any light Cause you're amazing and it's crazy But I'd make you mine tonight You're Make up to make you beautiful 
perfume to make you sweet You don't need fashion to make you suitable The heels underneath your feet You don't need hours to get just right What looks so fine in any light Cause you're amazing and it's crazy But I'd make you mine tonight You're Okay, I got some people in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio who are liking the music, so I let it play a little bit longer than I normally do. That is Matt Bayless and his song, Perfect For Me. So go check out mattbayless.com. Last name is spelled B-E-I-L-I-S. And yeah, Matt Bayless, he rocks. He definitely does. And it's a good song to go into our lemonade portion of the program because it's nice and positive and romantic. Yeah. Yeah? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You like a more Radiohead type of. Uh, yeah, I like alternative U2 Radiohead. That's just my style. I really like this song. So I am the boss. So I played this <laughs> song, and I think that anybody anybody listening should go out right now and buy that song. You can get it on iTunes. It's called Perfect for Me. Matt Bayless. It's an original of his. He does a lot of nice covers as well. Yeah. And it's I like to watch his videos because. He has access to a New York piano store. Right. So you'll see all these wonderful, gorgeous, expensive pianos, and he'll be making his video playing one of the pianos. And, and he just sits there and plays a piano and sings live. And that's his YouTube video that he puts out there for the right. world. It's very talented. Very talented. Excellent. In the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, Daniel has posted a link to Matt's song. So definitely go grab it. Just go grab that song. We have, what, a couple minutes or so. One thing I want to tell you guys is that this hour, in the second half, I'm going to be welcoming Brittany Faye Rivera. She is the development director, director of development for The Undercurrent. And we're going to talk about her organization and the way that they make lemonade. Right. Right? With the culture around. Yeah, they're helping to improve the culture. And in particular, they're doing it through the education of the youth and giving, I would say, moral support and intellectual support, intellectual ammunition and the energy to youth. the youth. Yep. And I think that is indispensable if we're going to save it. No. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, another Rivera, Rivera's uh-huh. unite. Yay. I do know that you're on the same side, so you're definitely uniting in that sense. <laughs> but we don't need Geraldo, said Stuart. We don't need Geraldo. You mean, you mean if, Geraldo, if Geraldo Rivera would come on this show as a guest, huh. I would come up with questions for him, and I would enjoy interviewing him and probably debating with him. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah. It would be fun. Sure. Don't you think? He's a he's alleged Republican now. And I don't know. I doubt he is. I mean, he's a, he's a leftist as far as I know. You know, but what was the thing that you were telling me the other day, Bosch? I didn't put this story on the links for today's show, but it was something about how in both parties, both mm-hmm. Republican and Democrat, the leadership is way more liberal than the general yeah. uh, member. I rank who and file. It was. it was a guy who was a Mark Levin. Damn. Uh, it was basically uh, a response to Rules for Radicals by uh, Alinsky, in your face about rules for patriots. And his thinking was that uh, the Democrat Party, the leadership is far more left than the regular you know, followers or the party members. And the Republican Party, the leadership is far more left, far more liberal, far less conservative than the actual uh, 
uh, followers of the party. My point with Geraldo was that he would fit right in with the Boehner and everybody oh, yeah. else. So if that's the case. One thing also, it's like, yeah, you you got Obama, hardcore leftist uh, as as president. You got Boehner, the most powerful Republican. What is he? Middle of the road, Washingtonian. Period. That's why that's what the Tea Party exists for. It exists for to turn the the right wing party right. Yeah, Elliot reminds us too that Geraldo needs to keep his shirt on. Huh. Right after the break, we'll start with the lemonade portion of the program. April 18th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. I'm Amy Peekoff. Joining me here again is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Thanks for sticking with us through the second hour. We're going to have the lemonade portion of the show. Remember, the title of the show is What is Your Recipe for Lemonade? I want to know, how do you make lemonade? And that's what we're going to talk about this hour. To give you a little bit of fuel and I think get you in a better mood, we had a lot of lemons last hour. A lot of lemons, foreign policy mostly, domestic policy towards the end. And it's good to think that there might be some hope on a political front, things that we don't necessarily have direct control over right now, but that we're hoping will get better in the future, might get better sooner than we thought. And that's the sort of stories that I had next at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. I have a couple stories. I don't want to go over them too much at all. It's just Rand Paul revealing himself yeah. so there's oh, one rond paul rond paul rond yes. paul from now on rond rond paul. paul because he's showing himself to be more and more like his father and or just disappointing in general in one story he says let's get this straight i'm not for containing iran and then he and then he tries to invoke reagan and someone said well he can't do that because we knew reagan was tough we questioned Ron, Ron Paul's toughness. We question whether he'll take it to the mat. Right. There is a reason to doubt Rand Paul on foreign policy issues, and I think that that's true, and he should expect to have to answer those questions. And then in another story, Rand Paul will not publicly say why he supports Mitch McConnell. He was at an event, Mitch and McConnell. someone asked Rand Paul during the Q&A, mm. Why do you support Mitch McConnell? And he says, well, I won't tell you now, but if you come and ask me afterwards, yeah, a public, I'll tell you. A public, fi- a public figure is asked about a public figure, whether he supports me, he says, I'll tell you privately. What the hell is that about? And then also he's at a, he's at a talk and he suggests that we have something to do with being attacked at Pearl Harbor because of uh, some sanctions. And maybe we shouldn't really do that. So what we're saying basically is that we deserve Pearl Harbor. To some extent, we were part Arthur in the Pearl Harbor and maybe even 9-11. 
And that was at some obscure, I think it was a small talk that he gave, but someone, someone videotaped it with their, I think, iPhone because it was low audio. But he, uh, he's, you know, he keeps reverting back. When he doesn't think about something, he reverts back to, to what his father believes. Better not use sanctions because that's going to make them want to kill us. That's, yes, that's the, what the Rand Paul way, apparently. Instead of they've been at war with us for decades, they've, been, they've killed Americans again and again. We should go to war with them any moment. We have every, every moral right to go with war with them today, physically. So I'm hoping that the people at the Ted Cruz campaign are gathering this information because I think one of his major opponents, Ted Cruz's major opponent, is going to be Rand Paul. It it still remains to be seen which way the wind is going to blow in terms of the choice of GOP nominee. Is it going to be for a more, quote unquote, mainstream candidate, somebody like a Chris Christie or a Jeb Bush? What did you say? Oh, did I say Chris Christie? It's yeah. too early. Well, Isn't it? Not, oh, it's not, too late? Yeah, exactly. It's too not late. Me. Well, you go ahead. Eat or eating. You go You go right ahead and eat that chocolate. I think I'll just keep sipping my tea here. Tea? Did you get that? Tea? Tea? <laughs> tea party yeah, primary. Americans supposed to, hold on. Americans' tea party is supposed to dump tea. Not supposed to drink it, okay? But anyway, go on. I'm, I'm drinking it. Tea party primary was held, and Ted Cruz is beating Rand Paul in the Tea Party primary, so says a story at theatlantic.com. Manchester, New Hampshire is where this story is out of. April 14th is the date. Rand Paul has been methodically planning his run for president. Now Ted Cruz could come along and spoil the whole thing. Wouldn't that be the best? Both senators have a path to the Republican nomination that rests on the support of the Tea Party. And when forced to choose, that segment appears to prefer Cruz whose speech to an activist gathering here over the weekend was the more enthusiastically received of the two. And that's really all I want to read of the story. Go check the story out. The one point that I want to make is something that you and I were talking about earlier this Mm -hmm. week, Bosh. Mm -hmm. And you were saying you liked something about Rand Paul, right? I said, Rand Paul, I like the fact that he gets in these these fights with Chris Christie. He's willing to, you know, get a little dirty, make little comments, make a little mock them back and forth. And and Amy said something, which definitely is... Definitely yeah, so good. what I was saying is, oh, yeah, it's, it's all fine and good that Rand Paul is willing to say things about Chris Christie and other, you know, we would Hillary anticipate Clinton. opponents, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He said a whole bunch of stuff about her. Yes. But I'm saying, would you rather have somebody who is willing to fight other people or someone who is willing to fight for principles? Absolutely right. And which of these two seems more likely to fight for principles that we care about? Yes, we have our disagreements with Ted Cruz, and I'll say that a million times, but who is more willing to fight for the principles that made this country and can save this country? And I see that that is Ted Cruz. It's a great point. Great, great point, because he will uh, keep it focused. And, you know, he plays the politician pretty well in the sense where he says, well, yeah, I like Jeb Bush. You right, know? right. I like Chris Christie. And that's you know? annoying. It is annoying, but I know what he's doing. He's off-putting them. He's like, oh, man. He hasn't given us reason to hit him yet, you know? And, Even though they will. Well, oh, they and, will. And then I think then he will go after him on principle. Then he will go after him on in, in serious things, not like Rand Paul has grown after him. Exactly. And and I think it's also essential if you are going to deliver a controversial message, which in the context of politics, yes. Ted Cruz <laughs> is the most controversial yes. candidate out there, except Shocking. for a libertarian, like yes. a real wacko libertarian. He, he, Ted Cruz is more radical than, um, what's his name? Gon Johnson. Oh, yeah. Gon, oh, Gon Johnson. I mean, Mr. Milk Toast. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. 
Gon Johnson. That, that, that was the name, right? Yes. Yeah, Gon Johnson. And and the other thing about this story that I forgot to mention is apparently now Cruz is coming out explicitly against Common Core. Yes, he is. He's yes, coming he is. out explicitly against Common Core. So my dream for Cruz is that he will do I've, – I've added uh, one more item to my wish list just today in, in thinking about tax day. So I have four, four items on my wish list that I think are realistic. If we had a President Ted Cruz, one is abolish the IRS, which he's, he's talked about, repeal every word of Obamacare, which he's talked about. How about again and again and again. getting rid of Common Core and then also moving tax day to be the day or two before any that. federal election, the big federal if election. If, if he can, he can do those four things. Then we are well on our way. Imagine though that I mean, abolishing the IRS is huge. That unrolls oh, yeah. over a hundred years now yeah, of disgusting that. history. But the other things have to do with only getting rid of damage that Obama has exactly done, right. and we're looking those we're looking at those things as major gets. Yeah. But I think that those are possible. Well, you know, someone asked here, is he more radical than Bernie Sanders, socialist? Yeah, uh, Ted Cruz has been called a terrorist. By talks by 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 pundits by fellow politicians, uh, Sanders is you know he's a communist. He calls himself socialist, but if he had his way, I mean we'd be in a dictatorship right now. But what I'm saying is, uh, in terms of Washington, the way it is right now, he is the man on the outside, Ted Cruz. He's the freak who who got there somehow, and they just you know both left and right, they can't believe what he says, and he says things that we completely agree with. I mean, okay, not everything, but. Things about when it comes to national security, when it comes to to uh, big government, yes, we absolutely agree with him. He's much better on security than much Rand better, Paul. much better. And, and and you you believe that he would actually do something about the enemies, our enemies. Who is Rand Paul? No, Rand Paul will do everything that he would try to avoid everything while making it appear he's strong. And Chris Christie's ignorant. Oh, Chris Christie's uh, Islamophile. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. ignorant, both, yeah. both. Now, Glenn Beck. How seriously do you take Glenn Beck if he promises to do something? You know, Glenn Beck is good and bad. Uh, he really is. And then he makes a lot of sense. He, he basically pox on both their houses when, when it comes to left and right, when it comes to Republicans and Democrats, which is good. But uh, I don't know. I mean, he means well. He has read Alice Shrugged. He's, he's a big fan of it. So He has your own on repeatedly. Yeah, he, he has your own on, which is excellent and, and important because he disagrees him about the atheism. But... He's good, but let's just see. You know, he's good and bad, therefore, you know. At my blog at DontLetItGo.com, you can find a link to this story, which is from Downtrend.com. Glenn Beck apparently says that if Bush or Christie, he means Jeb Bush, or Christie is the GOP nominee in 2016, I am campaigning for a libertarian. Yeah. I love this yeah. because what I think, if they take him seriously, and that's the big if, do they take him seriously? If they take him seriously, this could push the GOP towards nominating either Rand Paul or Ted Cruz. And I think in that fight that Ted Cruz is going to come I out. I think so. Absolutely. If, if you were a mainstream member of the GOP, would you rather nominate Ted Cruz or Rand Paul? Exactly right. Exactly right. I'm wondering. No, 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 you're right about that. I, right. I, I'm thinking that they would think in terms of national security that they would yes, on support that alone, Ted Cruz. Possibly. But they may also, some of the establishment GOP might be more afraid of Ted Cruz than Rand Paul. Why? Because Ted Cruz really does pose a bigger threat to the welfare state yes, than he, does Rand Paul. And he would force the Republicans to do things that they don't want to do, which yeah. is cut government. But they don't want to do that. But if Glenn Beck throws his weight on the side of going towards a Tea Party type candidate in this fashion, 
I think it means something, and I think it's a good sign. There's other things over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com that I want you to look at that are also good signs, potential for the future. Hillary Clinton has the worst poll number since 2008. The GOP brand is surging. The millennials are apparently you know, identifying themselves less with Democrats. I think it's the anti-Democrat brand that's what's surging. The GOP sucks. Everyone knows that. I already already talked about Donald Rumsfeld's letter to the IRS, which I think is excellent, a yeah. good a good sign of, of yeah, protest. Yeah, he was probably one of the most one of the more decent guys in the Bush administration, no doubt about it. There's this nice little poll. How many voters think that the president <sighs> is dishonest? Yeah. A decisive majority of voters, at least 61 percent say they do not believe President Barack Obama is honest about important matters, according to a new survey. I think liars think he's honest. I think the liars, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think most liars think he's honest. I do. (laughs) The thing that I hope with this, right, is that the skepticism about Obama is going to transfer over to Democrats in general. Yeah. We don't have any guarantees of that. No, but the bully, you know, Puppet, he can't push it as much as he used to. People know he's BSing them with every word he's saying now. Those who believe in all that crap, hope and change, they know it was BS. And uh, they're not going to buy it. And people don't like being lied to again and again and again. I don't care if they're on your side. Like, this guy is a stinking liar. I mean, what the hell? And another thing that I link to is just another nice little sign about the culture. Those of you who have been watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., religiously, uh-huh. like I have. And it's like gotten Sasha. better and better in the last month. I mean, just, if they started the show with, that, with the kind of quality they had in the last month, it would have, been, it would have really, really, really taken off. This, this actor that we're about to talk about also made appearances on Justified, that series. He also played that. the rat in Ratatouille, which is excellent. His voice yeah, is the rat voice. in Ratatouille. Yeah. Patton Oswalt. Apparently, he was on Twitter, and he retweeted a link to Mark Stein's recent column about the PC mindset, and definitely go read Mark Stein. He's always excellent. But Oswalt retweeted this and yeah. said that Mark Stein hit it out of the park yes. with respect to this issue of the PC. Yes. And a lot of uh, Oswalt's liter- you know, liberal, yeah, his liberal followers tweeted back to him and said, so you, you're horrible, you agree so you with Mark Islam, Stein on you know. everything, you know. <laughs> and... He says, and this is what he did, he doubled down. I love it that he did this. He says, I retweeted an essay on PC censorship by, quote, Mark, you know, at Mark Stein online. And he said, now getting accused of agreeing with Stein on everything, right. which proves Stein's point. Right. End quote. Here, here. So then when you got an Islamophilic uh, lib, you say, oh, so you agree with uh, butchering people? You Okay, you know what I mean? So, oh, no, 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 you do. You agree with butchering people and mistreating women and killing homosexuals, right? Okay, good. No, but if anyone, any liberal is pro-Islam, you got to hold it against them the way they hold it against you if you agree with something, right? Yeah, because you have to agree with have every to. single I mean, every, aspect. Every single aspect. Every word anyone ever said. That's right. It's, it's got to be true. Oh, my gosh. No, I think it's excellent when you have an actor doing that. And he comes back and doubles down. So, yeah, this is a good piece. That's it. So there are reasons to have hope about those lemons, those lemons that are outside of our control, imposed upon us by the government, spread through the culture, spread through the culture by the left. And, you know, the left is excellent. You know, they've just had decades and decades of experience achieving the cultural proliferation. I'm always reluctant to say that because look at their opponents. Look at their opponents. That's why the left is so, quote-unquote, good at this. Look at their opponents. They stink. 
Well, and, get, that, and that was one of the things that they Breitbart, get no pushback. Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart said we have to push back. Breitbart was like a one-man record ball when it came to this. He always, and he picked small fights and big fights, whatever. He was always on the move against them, which is the way you do it. And that's why the left is, quote, unquote, so good. Because he had a stinking opponents who never push back, who always accept it. And I, I actually absorb it now and speak like liberals. You've got to kick their ass the way they've been trying to do with us. And I think slowly but surely we're doing that. We, we don't have as many fighters as there were in the past, but I think we have a lot more you know, individual ones that are a lot better than, than even like, like 100, let's say, years ago. You get one one thing we know where fighters. the right or where objectivists kick butt on liberals for sure is in talk radio. Yes, no doubt about it. Leftist talk radio shows always fail, always and I don't fail. know why that is. I think some reason, some I think it's just the sound, the ideas come through a lot more clear. And when you're lying, when you have to lie, they come out so clearly. It's like, oh my God, this guy's lying his ass off. Whereas Republicans will most of the time try to be honest, you know, most of the time, and of course objectives will, because that's their instinct with reality. Unlike unlike the left, they're not. They're opposed to reality. They're at war with reality. Exactly. And it comes out so clearly on the radio. So I think we've got a lot of positive cultural signs. We have potentially some positive political signs. It all depends how it plays out in the years going, you know, into 2016. We've still got a couple of years. I'm looking forward to see whether Tammy Bruce's prediction about the 2014 midterm elections is correct. She's optimistic I that think the GOP is going to do well. Americans will come to save America. And the and, and, and the, the less horrific party right now happens to be Republicans. The less horrific. If if that is not true, then we're going to have a hard time keeping me up to do this show in an optimistic way. But I'm optimistic that it is going to be a good 2014 election for us, if only because Obama has us to the brink of death with his Obamacare and everything else that he's done to the economy, that people can't avoid seeing the damage that he and, and the Democrats have done to us and, and try to do something different. No matter what he's done, though, I'm, I'm glad he's lazy. You know, he's yeah. admitted to being lazy. Imagine he goes he on was, vacation. No, but I'm glad he is because he plays a lot of golf. And so he, yeah. had, he hurts us every chance he gets, but he, he would hurt us a lot more if he actually was a committed, hardcore, hardworking leftist. Let's stop talking about the lemons. Okay. Let's start talking about lemonade. And one thing that you need Sorry, to Sorry, lemonade. That <laughs> cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> That was Eddie Murphy uh, talking about Elvis Presley, the delirious years ago. Lemonade, remember that? He says Elvis always sounds like he's, li- like he's singing, even even when he's talking. Remember that? Lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. One of the ways you can make lemonade out of lemons is to make humor the horrible situation that yes. we're in. And I gave you just one example. It was a particularly <laughs> funny one that came up this week on The Onion. The Onion is the source <laughs> of a lot of good comic yeah. relief. So is Sunny Loman oh, yeah. of House of Sunny. So I referenced you that you know her as well. You could definitely go check her out. She hasn't been doing her videos lately, which I miss terribly. But I am also glad that she's going to have a baby. So that's very cool. But but come on, come on, we want our videos. But here's the Onion story. FBI uncovers Al Qaeda plot to just sit back and enjoy collapse of the United States. Hilarious. Uh, I was reading some stuff. Uh, it's hilarious and it's true. And he, he says, basically, we are great martyrs. Great and, martyrs because we sit back and yeah. watch the collapse no, of the United no, States? No, because we're destroying ourselves. Mm. You know, we're just the great, great martyrs. And I'm the, sorry, and, and, and the sad thing is, is that's true. Is the, uh, is the chat room 
Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. A right. little annoying. Yeah, so, I understand. There's someone there a little annoying and just repetitive and just unnecessary comments. It happens. It happens. And uh, I had to basically take care of business on Twitter as well with this, with this individual. I think I was unfollowed on Twitter by that individual. But good. That's okay. No, good for you. That's fine. So why is he here anyway? Uh, another way to make lemons is of excuse me, make lemonades yes. out of the lemons that we get <laughs> is of course the show. Yes, absolutely. We talk out the stories, we analyze the stories, we put them in the proper perspective, we look for signs of hope out Would there for things getting I say, better. I say cathartic. I definitely think it's cathartic. Absolutely. I also like connecting with the audience, connecting with oh, other yeah. people who share our perspective on the issues. No doubt. I like talking about the issues. Hello, if you want to call in, yay, 760-888-5817. Call in and tell us your lemonade recipes, but doing this show is definitely one outlet. One of the things that you do to make lemonade is, you know, today, unfortunately, one aspect of it has to be fighting for a better future. I don't think that anybody can just sit back and not in some form fight for a better future. How can you do it? Maybe your job has nothing at all to do with advocating for cultural change or advocating for political change. My job, my day job as as an academic has something to Mm -hmm. do with that. And I definitely bring in elements into my academic research, things that I actually care about, stuff that's going on in the real world. I try not to have it be too pie in the sky for some day because we see the urgency of achieving some sort of a better world now. But on the side, I'm doing this show. Would I do this show full time? Would I do it five days a week if I would be paid and I could get, you know, enough to support myself full time on it? Sure, I would do that. But as it stands now, I'm doing my academic work, which has some relevance to achieving that cultural change. And then I do this. Um, Anything that you can do on the side to try to help that you can write letters to the editor, you can donate to organizations that are doing the cultural outreach and education. Um, of course, you can donate Indiv- to this show. Individuals. Hint, hint, hint. Donate to the show. <laughs> um, but many people have donated to the show, and I really appreciate that. Oh, so great. even if you don't do it yourself, you can do that. The other thing you can do, and Jerome Brook is so right in this, he has said that you can just be an example in your own life. Yeah. Be an example in your own life for other people and show that the ideas that you are advocating make you successful make and happy. Yeah that they actually do make a difference in people's lives. We have a couple calls here. I'm going to see if we can get a recipe for lemonade. Hi, who's this? Hello? Hello, you're on. Okay. Oh, I guess you're not on. Okay. We're talking to each other. Hello, who's this? Yes, this is Tom. Hi, Tom. So what's your recipe for lemonade? You've got about a minute. Okay, well, I have several things to mention real quick. Bosch said uh, maybe in a lifetime, and apparently he's never heard of the Standard 15, which uh, was Poland is 15 years, Czechoslovakia with Václav Havel, about 15 years. Hitler rose to power in about 14 years plus six months. Ayn Rand used 12 years from the time John Galt quit until the time that he met Dagny, and a couple of years after that would make 15. John Adams uh, said it took 15 years to make the change. Malcolm Gladwell said 10,000 hours, which is about 15 years. So, okay, so, so you, think, you would done, think about 15 years to achieve major cultural change. Right, or it can be done much faster. And a couple of things that people can use. One is 
uh, for quick legislation that the Democrats want to pass. Just label it by category as dumb ru- bums rush legislation. Mm-hmm. When they say, oh, well, you have uh, uh, ill intentions toward the poor. Well, no, it's called tough love. Right. Right. And then uh, quit, quit calling him a community organizer. The Chicago term is ward healer. Huh. Ward healer. Okay. Ward healer. That's the correct right. term. It's always been the term for somebody that does that in Chicago where he's from. Okay. Well, Tom, so, thanks for calling in. We've got to Zoom because we've got a break here, and okay. we'll talk more about nice, the Tom. lemonade after the break. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Sure. Okay. Now let's see if we've got a little bit of bumper we can handle right here. Okay, you guys in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio got that right. That is Hans Zimmer. What are you going to do when you're not saving the world from Man of Steel? So here we are in our little break in between, and I want to see if we have Brittany Faye Rivera online here. Is this Brittany? Hello? Hello, Amy. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Brittany. We're still in the middle of our little bottom of the hour break, so I'm going to go ahead and put, I'll put you on hold, and then we're going to come back in about I would say two minutes or so and start talking with you about the undercurrent. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Excellent. I love when things work like they are supposed to over here in the chat room at blog talk radio, Elliot is saying Rivera power. All right. I expect you Elliot then to come up with a good question for Ms. Brittany, since you have talked about Rivera power, you need to help. That's what you have to do. You are now assigned. It is your task. 
you must do this. Yeah, we're going to start with her in a minute, and I've got Bosch back here. We're going to be ready to go for our last segment. A little lemonade, if you want to go check it out. I have posted it at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. One of the ways I make lemonade in life, or I've been trying to, is dog agility. And I have the link to my favorite run of mine of all time there on the blog at DontLetItGo.com. So do go check that out. And let's see what we're going to do for our little last bit of bumper music. Maybe we'll do a little bit of this one. What do you think? Sure. I think I like that. Yeah. Let's see if I can do... There. Yeah, it's, it's here. It's here. It yeah, we got to go right now. Let's go do it. That's an abrupt. Terrible. That's terrible. It is banished from my studio, uh-huh. that clip. This is Amy Peacock. You're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard, and we are in the last segment of today's show. I am pleased to welcome to the show Brittany Faye Rivera. She is the director of the development for The Undercurrent. Brittany, welcome to the show. Hi, Amy and Bosch. Thanks for having me. Hi, thanks for joining us. I was hoping you could tell our audience, first of all, for those who don't know, what is The Undercurrent? I would love to tell you that. So The Undercurrent is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to spreading Ayn Rand's ideas on campuses nationwide. So historically, we've offered students an editorial publication. Some of you listening, I know, have received the publication and distributed it um, on campus. It's a uh, an editorial publication with articles written in the objectivist perspective by students. Uh, recently, we've moved to becoming more of a motivator of campus activism. So in addition to the print edition and our active blog online, we um, host campaign events for students to get involved and learn how to be active on campus. Uh, recently, you many of you probably have seen the event we did with Don Watkins. It was a debate at UW-Madison entitled, Is the Welfare State Just? So we're, and you, we're you had a good turnout, right, for that? You had a great turnout for that, right? We did. We had 250 live with um, no professor incentives to attend, so everyone was there because they wanted to be. It was great. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. You were talking about the event. Oh, I don't. I was just making a point. We're moving to... Um, hosting events now, and hoping that why that did why off. did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to move into more of an activist, you know, hosting actual events as opposed to just sticking with the editorial publication? Well, when I came to the Undercurrent, I was just leaving a position at the Ayn Institute where I had the opportunity to mentor campus clubs, and I really liked it. And all I wanted to focus on was reaching students and helping them build their clubs. 
and being vocal. So at first it really just started out as trying to help clubs develop and it just kind of sprouted into this you know, nationwide push for activism. It's the natural order of how, how it evolved. And, and the push for activism has been pretty much over the last year, I think, since you've joined the undercurrent. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, so I used to actually work for Alex Epstein's uh, organization, the Center for Industrial Progress, and did a lot of events with him and just loved it. And I did a bunch for my own club in, at UT Austin and mm-hmm. um, decided that it's something I really love to do. I, there's nothing more gratifying than, than seeing students show up to learn and especially about these crucial issues, uh, I just want to keep doing that for as long as I can. Excellent. Now, the undercurrent itself, the editorial publication, is written from an objectivist perspective. That means Ayn Rand's ideas. And a lot of the education that you're going to be doing, of course, is all going to be from the perspective of Ayn Rand's ideas. And yet you say that people who aren't necessarily objectivists should also be interested in furthering the undercurrent's mission. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. So the first thing to remember is that the people who are writing for us are students for the most part. And students are at a time in their lives where they're willing to consider and change their minds about things. Um, And so not only for our writers, it is important for them to really decide that they like objectivism and believe what it has to offer, but it offers an opportunity for other students who aren't necessarily interested in the ideas to read a perspective from someone that they can relate to. And I think that's good for not only the objectivists, but the libertarians or the conservatives that are more on the the right end of things, because there are things that Ayn Rand discusses, such as the free market, that are attacked constantly by the left and need a good defense. Otherwise, (laughs) we're not going to be able to convince anybody that that they should support that idea. So... It is an initiative that that really benefits all of anyone on the right who's in its favor, at least for free markets. The other stuff is optional and great if a student wants to really latch onto it. But for the movement to move in a positive direction as a whole, at least focusing on some free market ideas um, is necessary. Right. I mean, the the moral defense of the free market is what is needed. And if you're on the right and you're religious, you may rely on the moral defense coming from God or religion. But God or religion is not going to be something that you can use to argue with the atheist left about. Right. So you're going to you're going to need a secular moral defense of the free market that you can use when you are debating people from the atheist left. And I think this is the kind of education that needs to be given to the young generation in particular. Let's uh, focus on that issue a little bit, Brittany. Why the focus on students? Well, the focus on students is for, I mean, the very cliche but real reason that these people are our future. What you see coming out in the culture of music and television and, you know, other various outlets for students politically they are the people who are going to be making a safe, enjoyable place for you and me to live. And those people need to receive proper education about what happens if they approach life, including politics, in the right way, and what happens if if they do it in a destructive way. And reaching adults is great. Um, There's a limited amount of time that people are willing to change their minds and embrace new ideas, and that's why it's absolutely critical that the youth are receiving the highest quality education on this topic as possible. 
I agree with you in the sense that, you know, in by and large, statistically speaking, it's the young who are more likely to be influenced and to change their mind about fundamental issues like this. There are some exceptions, though, and there was one very notable exception. There was a man, a real estate agent, who I believe at the age of 70, 72, Red Atlas shrugged for the first time and then became very involved in objectivism. But he was the exception. He was the exception. Most people are looking to see what it is that they believe for themselves, apart from their parents and apart from what their teachers have been telling them. They're looking for that in college. Also, one thing, sorry, if I I just add to that about older people, I gave uh, the founder and Atlas shrugged to an older lady, and she uh, regretted reading it because her life, she felt her, she wasted her life. And that's why I think youth, they are, they're, they're itching to jump on something that actually means something uh, important, important to them, that they could actually, you know, move forward. And, and that's all. Right, yeah. right. No, I think, I think it's definitely important. Now, we have some questions over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. And in this last year, I was wondering if you could tell us, you raised uh, some money last year, and then you put on not only the Don Watkins event, but some other events. I was wondering if you could tell us about what you did this last year and then tell us what you plan to do this next year at the Undercurrent. Yeah, great. Thanks for asking that. So last year was our first kind of test year to see what our big question was, what do the students want? And when we considered the students, we were thinking objectivist students only. Um, And we threw a campaign event that featured on Cargate where he talked about selfishness at Stanford, and it was fairly successful in person and very successful online, and created this initiative called It's Your Life, Own It. So we have a website, itsyourlifeownit.org, where the entire idea of this campaign that will continue, hopefully for years to come, is focused specifically on egoism. Other campaign events um, that we've done is really only at the Don Watkins event, but we um, started mentoring students recently, which I think was a great contributor in helping reach the kind of audience that we saw at UW-Madison and another one of our groups at UT Austin just had another successful event. Uh, So it's very hands-on, student-oriented stuff. We also did a video series where we, it's called Under the Surface, interviewed inspiring people who made tough decisions and used objectivism to help them make these decisions and ultimately, you know, became very successful in whatever aspects of their life they were looking for success. This year, we are we want to continue most of those things. So we, we want to keep mentoring students. We want to keep having campaign events, but we're kicking it up a notch. So last year, we went to raise $30,000, and we were successful. This year, we are trying to raise $100,000. Um, half of that budget, we want to put towards a student objectivist conference. And what that's going to include is, a day where objectivist student leaders come and receive leadership training. And after that first day, they're joined by all sorts of right of center students who have a very genuine interest in learning about Ayn Rand. And together, all of these students are going to be, one, receiving education on objectivism, but two, really understanding and seeing how they really ought to be working together in this fight, because it is a fight, and right now there's not enough of us on either side to make the impact that the left is having. Right, and, and again, the, the crucial element that Ayn Rand brings to the table that I haven't seen anybody else successfully bring to the table. I mean, for instance, I was just at API, the Association for Private Enterprise Education Conference, and I sat in on a talk that Yaron Brook was giving about should we care about inequality, 
And other libertarians or conservatives, they still have the altruist premise. And insofar as they have the altruist premise, they are not able to argue effectively against the welfare state and other big government programs that are destroying our lives and literally destroying this country out there right now. We need a moral defense of free markets. We need a moral defense of the foundation on which this country was built. And the only one who provides that, particularly a secular defense, is Ayn Rand. And and it cannot be avoided having that secular defense of the free market. Otherwise, we're just in the business of we're going to impose our religion on other people. You can't do that. And you particularly can't do that in the 21st century. That's called Islamic jihad. And, and that's what we reject, right? So you can't do it from a religious perspective. You have to do it from a secular pers- you know, perspective. And if you're going to do it from a perspective of a secular argument, Ayn Rand is the only one that provides it. So, yeah. yeah, that's very true, Amy. And And what what we should be focusing on is how we can use what already exists to our advantage. And what already exists is sympathy for Ayn Rand on the right. And I think it's it's really, it's crucial that we tap into that sympathy and work together in ways that we can to, to fight for this, at least this one political cause that's going to impact our lives forever. And it already has been. Uh, and, And we should be leveraging that. And I think a lot of, you know, right, rightists are, are very interested in receiving more education on Ayn Rand. I know the students are. They're begging for it. And well, and let's give an example. Ted Cruz, who I talk about a lot on this show in, in a positive way because I think he is the best politician that we have out there in Washington right now. He was heavily influenced by Ayn Rand. He's not an objectivist. No. But I guarantee the reason that he is the most promising politician Absolutely. out there today is because he read and, to a large extent, understood Ayn Rand and identifies with our ideas. So whether or not you yourself are an objectivist, I think you can't help but recognize that the best politician in Washington right now is an unabashed fan. Is an unabashed fan of Ayn Rand, and that therefore I think that anybody out there, including all the students, are going to be made better people, better for defending the ideals on which this country was founded if they are exposed to her ideas and trained in how to apply her ideas to the most pressing issues yeah. of the day. So I, I agree with you, Brittany. Now, you are therefore definitely taking the lemons that life is throwing us and trying to make lemonade out of it directly in what you're doing as a director of development for an organization that's working to make the country better. I assume you enjoy your work tremendously as well, yes? I love my work, yes. <laughs> which I think is excellent. Um, not not all of us are able in our daily work, you know, to, to do something as directly as you are in terms of improving the culture and, and fighting to save this country, which I, I think is great. What do you also do? I, I said I might ask you this question. What else do you do to make lemonade out of the lemons that life throws us on a, on a daily basis? Well, the, the life of the activist is, is pretty busy. Um, so really the one thing that I have time for, everyone who knows me knows this, is I like to, to play polo, uh, horse, not water. <laughs> and that, that's how I make lemonade on a daily basis. <laughs> if you were a water polo player, I would expect to see you really buff and strong. Because from what I understand of water polo, that is super hard. But is there a physical training that is also involved in playing polo on a horse? Yeah, polo is very tough. You're controlling a 1,200-pound animal, so it's a lot uh-huh. of legwork. 
And it's a reminder, it's a constant reminder that I need to get up and be exercising or I'm not going to be doing as well. Uh, It's very demanding. It's a demanding sport. (laughs) And you're still able to pursue it now with the job with the undercurrent and stuff, or does it kind of go by the wayside sometimes? Sometimes it goes by the wayside. Um, You know, if I'm in the midst of a particularly, I know, actually, you're trying to get off that word, aren't you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's easy to say to you, isn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to get rid of my ums and my uhs, so I I definitely feel you there, Uh as I want to say um. So, yeah, I I get very busy, especially when planning events, or right now we're running this fundraiser campaign that, you know, takes a lot of time, and and I like it, but sometimes you just need to break away, and you need to to have your lemonade, or else you you might explode. (laughs) So I, I try to make time for it whenever I can. I really like activities like that. You know, I'm a big uh, kind of participant, and I'm starting to get back into it again of, of dog agility. Yeah. And I like I like these animal-related sports, first of all, because of the fact that they involve the animal performing mm-hmm. part of the work. We can mm-hmm. – you're, you're not old, but I'm older. And <laughs> when, you, when you get older, if the whole sport is about your own body, then you're in big trouble. So it's good that the sport right. is at least par- partly about an animal's body, right? And you can still have the joy of competing in sport for quite a long time. I don't know what the age range of polo players is. I assume they can be quite a lot older. Is that true? Yeah, actually, most people, because it's such an expensive sport most of the time, they they don't start until their 40s. So you can go a long time. That being said, since I started in my 20s, I have the potential to get injured and maybe not be able to play. But I think that that's (laughs) very unlikely. Sometimes when I go to dog agility trials, I look around and I notice the number of knee braces and ankle braces and various war wounds that dog agility enthusiasts have. Because we do run with the dogs, and sometimes we'll do a really quick turn or something, and you crank your knee. I don't even want to talk about it anymore because I'm going to feel some pains as as I mention it. But I hope you do not get injured, and I hope that you're able to continue to enjoy that physical activity for many decades to come and and I hope that you'll be able to spend more time doing it which would mean that you don't have to spend quite as much time on the cultural battle because we're winning that's what I want (laughs) right no I agree wouldn't that be great it's just a usual day of polo and no worrying about anyone trying to destroy my future that's what I hope for too I mean, every time you read the news, you say, okay, well, that politician over there wants to cut off my right arm, and that politician over there wants to cut off my left leg, and that one over there wants to put this horrible beeping sound so I can't think in my brain. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what's left. I think we'll get about five minutes a day of peace solely to ourselves, something like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, the the sports are good, but I, I love that you are able to take the undercurrents to the proverbial next level, as they call it, and turn it into a more activist organization. Let people know um, where they can go ahead and find out about your current campaign and donate to it. Absolutely. So if you want to visit our Facebook page, you can just search the undercurrent, and we post all of our updates there. We're also on Twitter. at Our handle is at T undercurrent. And our direct link, which I did post in the chat box for donations, is ignite.theundercurrent.org. Our whole message right now is igniting the objectivist student movement. So that's ignite.theundercurrent.org. And as I said, we're looking to raise $100,000 right now. That's 
covering operating costs for the next year, and a large chunk of that is including the student conference. The student conference is going to be great. We're collaborating with the Ayn Rand Institute and several ARI intellectuals or featured speakers. It's going to be the highest quality possible, and, and the students need it. So right now, every donation up to $40,000 is doubled, which means that if you're able to donate as little as $25, that makes the impact of 50, and the greater amount you give, the, the bigger the impact you can have. Excellent. Now, Elliot, whose job it is here in the chat room to come up with a question, he's left a comment, which that. is good. He says, he says, excellent. Looking forward to reading, hearing more about the undercurrent. Again, go to ignite.theundercurrent.org, and you can watch Brittany on video where she talks about the activities and, and the planned activities of the undercurrent, and you can also donate. So definitely go check that out. She posted the, the link again over here at Blog Talk Radio. Anything else that we forgot, Brittany, in this? I'm not sure. I don't know I that we really forgot, but I think it's worth mentioning, I'm not, this didn't get covered explicitly, that you know I, we always hear people complaining about this culture change, this, this horrible culture, and I know you talk about that a lot, and our friend Sunny talks about that a lot, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about it a lot, and you can talk about it, but the only thing that, that makes it happen, makes change happen, is by acting. And a lot of the times that means financially. If you're not ready, willing, or able to get out and, and be active on the streets, donate to the organizations who are trying to make it happen. That includes all of them that Amy's mentioned and the Undercurrent and, you know, the Ayn Rand Institute, whoever it is trying to make the change. Put your money there, you know, because <laughs> we're trying to do it. We need your help. Right. We, we're all definitely out there trying to do it. And again, I, I just appeal to the authority, haha. Appeal to Ted Cruz. Again, maybe you're not an objectivist. People who are listening right now, they don't particularly like Ayn Rand that much, but they really love Ted Cruz and they think he's the best politician out there. I assure you, the thing that makes Ted Cruz different from the other politicians out there was his exposure to Ayn Rand's ideas. Maybe the people out there need to learn more about Ayn Rand themselves. Ted Cruz himself on the floor of the Senate said, if you have not read, yeah, if you have not read Atlas Shrugged, you need to read Atlas Shrugged. So I would say the first step for anyone listening who doesn't know about Ayn Rand is to read Atlas Shrugged. See if you think she knew what she was talking about. And then even if you don't agree with her 100%, I think you need to agree that exposing more people to her ideas will improve the country in the way that has improved a politician in Washington. And makes them better. It's the difference that makes a difference, at least on on my – and that's what I think. So uh, definitely uh, people in the chat room are talking about sharing stuff on Facebook Go share that link on Facebook as well, ignite.theundercurrent.org. That will help Brittany as well. So thank you, Brittany, for joining us. Thanks, Brittany. Yes, thank you for having me. Okay, and we'll talk again. And go play some polo and have fun. Can can I just add something about youth, about my own experience? Mm -hmm. I was raised uh, Muslim, you know, quote-unquote moderate Muslims who anti-Semitism, misogyny was still prevalent. And uh, Islam, in a lot of ways, gave morality a bad name. It really did. I mean, it was rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that, period. And uh, when I came, you know, as I phased out of Islam, as I left Islam, I was a teenager and I knew I didn't believe in God, but I knew I was a good guy and I wanted to do good and I wanted to be good. But there was nothing out there, nothing, until I came across Ayn Rand. And uh, she made morality interesting. She made me completely lock into the idea that you can have a morality based in reality that could be superior 
to any that I've ever been exposed to. Well, and moreover, not a morality based in duty, but based on the rational pursuit of your own happiness. Absolutely. Happiness was taken seriously. Morality was taken seriously. The the right to the pursuit of happiness is the foundation in this country. It is the thing that makes this country unique. Unique. Yes. And Rand, I mean, you know, she actually spoke spoke about these things far better than even anyone ever has in terms of individualism, in terms of individual happiness. And to me, leaving Islam and going to Ayn Rand was just like, talk about a revolution, an absolute revolution. And I was very young. And that's, I think you just, you, you are like a sponge at that point. You want to uh, be exposed to this without even knowing it. I didn't know anything about Ayn Rand, nothing, period, until I came across work and then I just fell into it. And it was a revolution. Yeah, I think it's definitely a surprising thing for people to encounter a Morality apart from religion that you can have. You can have moral arguments for honesty. If I could say something about that, honesty, she, she made morality sexy. Right. I mean, she really did. It was great to think of it in, in, a, in an absolute new way, in a, re, in a revolutionary way, morality. Morality was all seen as the goody-two-shoe crap and just do the right thing and don't worry about it and altruism and all that. No, she made it into a, into an, a necessity and sexy. And by the way, she wrote about it. She did. Right. It appealed, you know. Yeah, having morality be appealing as opposed to <laughs> exactly. a horrible duty. Exactly right. Is, Absolutely appealing and necessary. It's very unique. It's very unique. One more link to talk about in the last minute that we've got here. The Objectivist Conference 2014, the date of my lecture has now been announced. My lecture, going to be called Legalizing Privacy, Why and How, is going to be on the Sunday, June 29th which is part of the Young Adult Weekend, but no, there is no age limit on who can attend. I would love to see you all there. If you are a show supporter, I've already sent you an email asking you whether you're going to attend the conference. Please let me know if you're going to because I want to have a little meet and greet get together for show supporters at the conference. Again, go to objectivistconferences.com. I have the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com and uh, find more information. I'm going to be on a panel as well a few days after that, but my main talk is on Sunday the 29th. So let me know. We got just a few seconds. I was to say thanks, Evan. He had a nice compliment there. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks cool. Evan, for participating thanks, here in the everyone. chat room. I think thanks you're fairly new in the chat room as well. Thanks, thanks Brittany, for coming on. Yeah. So she's doing great work. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, see all the program notes, leave a comment, donate to the show, and we'll see you next week. We look forward to talking to you then. Take care.